the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is another edition, or I should say, let me start that back over. <laughs> edition, I, I like it. Edition. I was just man. I'm trying to say two, two, <laughs> two words in one. I was, just, I was gonna say episode and edition. Uh... Word. All right, let's start that over. I gotta edit this out for Taylor for sure now. Welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is another episode of what we've been calling Joe Talk, and that's me, Joe Serpico. And on the other side of the mic, it's Joe Broback. What's up, my friend? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Don't have much to complain about after last week, because I was right, so, uh, you know, I can't really complain. Yeah, I think we both were right. Yeah, I think that's we we talked about that a little bit. It's weird when me me and you are both right. I know it doesn't happen very often. Oh wait, yeah, it does. It happened. It, it has seemed to happen a lot more this year than last year. That's for sure. With us agreeing, that is. And if you don't know what you're talking about, that is both of us correctly picking Houston to not only beat USF but lay it to him a little bit, like we predicted. So we'll touch on that a little bit. We'll go through all of the recap of week nine. We also have to go through the what is the the latest news, and that is the college football playoff rankings. They were just revealed. UCF's at number 12, and we've got some things to say about that. And then we'll end the show talking about week 10. Uh, UCF actually has an early game against my alma mater. And then we'll go through the rest of the uh, conference play. But let's do it. I guess let's just start it right there. That Houston-USF game of 57-36 shellacking. Let's just put it that way. Because if you didn't know who Derek King was before this game, you definitely do now. Seven touchdowns tied a career high. The 684 yards that he put up against the Bulls defense was a season high. Again, everything we said last week. Thanks for backing us up, Houston. What really more is there to say? I agree. It's <laughs> we tried telling everybody, but you know, when uh, you know we we've observed things, and I think once you take off your rose-colored glasses and you see the world as it actually is, you realize that certain things aren't what they actually are, and. USF was not a top 25 team. We've been saying that all year based on their performances. USF fans didn't listen, and we got the result that we expected. Told you so. That's one of those. It's a big told you so. Exactly. I mean, let's be real. We were giving you the reality check. You know, That's what we're here for. We, we're right down the middle. We have no bias in this whatsoever. Do we favor these teams when it comes to what we'll talk about a little bit later, college football playoff and rankings and things of that nature? Yeah, of course. But part of the reason why we're doing this is because we want to give you an unbiased opinion. Our unbiased opinion was USF. They needed a ton of second-half performances against way lesser talent. When they finally get up against a big dog, they just couldn't compete. And what I really want to touch on is the play of the game in my eyes. The USF seems to be... Be getting back into it and then that fourth and seven play 
with King, you know, spinning around. And I'm in my head, I remember being like, no, 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 no. Why is he going? Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. Like, that was one of the best plays of the year. Like, the kid showed off just how good he was against the best opponent they're going to play this year. Well, and think about how good you have to be to have a fourth and seven and you call a quarterback run. Exactly. Like, that's (laughs) – I remember just, like, in my head, like, why are they running that play? Well, and he was – they had him. 36 yards to the house. They had him – they had him wrapped up, and I was like, oh, man. why? Like, yeah, same thing. Why are you doing that? And then next thing you know, a couple jukes and spin move later, he's in the end zone. Did this game help any – because this is honest, honestly because it was on ABC, the first time he was on true national television. Is there any way – because I know everybody wants to talk about the hype around uh, Tua, and it's well-deserved, but can he get in this discussion of the Heisman talk? Because I think he's already locked up now, in my eyes, the AAC player of the year. Well, he can get in there, but it's – he could. I. Be, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's top five, but it, like that doesn't. It's not going to do anything because his team's not going to get any any love. I mean, no arguments there because again, some we'll talk about in a little bit later. Houston's ranked in the AP poll. They were ranked number seventeen, but no love in the college football playoffs, and that's a little bit of a disgrace. But we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, now, on the flip side, about USF, you know, they actually pulled the game within close. There was that safety there, which, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I really agree with the call there, but it was like at that point, USF looked to be in the ball game until, you know, King really just took over. But once again, USF can't come through against a more quality opponent and it finally came up to haunt them. Yeah, and well, the beginning of the second half was a little nerve-wracking, but here's the thing. USS fine offensively. I don't have any concerns with them going forward on that side of the ball, but as you saw, the defense was awful. And <laughs> the thing that was funny was that they had there were fans saying, "Well, we just need we need this guy back. We need to be healthy here and We'll make some adjustments. And, so does every team in the country. But yeah, they're like, we'll at make both, some adjustments. At like all three levels. Yeah, and they're like, well, we'll just make some adjustments, and we have a good chance. I'm like, you gave up 682 yards and 57 points. You don't just make one or two adjustments, and everything's solved. And then let's just talk about first half. They rushed for 176 yards. Second half, 28 like they got nothing done in the second half offensively. Which rushing the ball should have been their that should have been their strength because Ed Oliver wasn't even playing. Yeah, also another fact that's true. Well, and they were they were gashing him. Now let's say something though. He looked pretty good jumping up and down on the sidelines though. He looked pretty healthy to me, and he was jumping up and down quite a bit. Yeah, well, he's not pulling a Nick Bosa on us, is he? No. Well, here's the thing. No matter who you are, like if you're not, if you're going to the draft, which he is, and you're not a hundred percent sure about your health, you're gonna like if you're anywhere like at eighty percent, you're probably sitting out. Now, do I think he was eighty percent? No, I have no idea. Obviously, he looks fine, but it's one thing to look fine when you're jumping up and down on the sidelines, and another thing to be fine when you're playing an actual game. 
I don't think he no, he's not pulling a Nick Bosa, but at the same time, like he does have to worry about his future. So I don't I don't feel I don't not upset about that. No, I'm not saying I'm upset about it either, because I can't argue anything you just said there. We've talked about it. I think he's gonna be number one. You think he's gonna be number one. I think. We're at, yeah, and what what are yeah. Houston like? What are Houston fans gonna like say to him? He's the best player to ever play for them. Also very true. He's given them more than they've probably not deserved, but more than they could ever ask for. Like he he literally can do whatever he wants because he is the best player to ever play for that program. Nick Bose is just another guy. No arguments there. Zero arguments there. I I think maybe. No, maybe it wasn't you, but it was somebody else I saw some put this out there. But it, it really made me think that it's so true. Like you kind of said it there, Nick Bosa. There every year in the draft, there is a Nick Bosa. Like you find a guy that could like rush a passer. You know, every year there's one guy, and then you know they're hit or miss at the next level. You, and we can go back from Mario Williams all the way up to his brother Joey, and all the guys in between. You know, some have been good, some have been bad. But there's very few guys like Ed Oliver. Yeah, he's just that different. Position, yeah, that plays that position, has you know the motor, which I don't think gets talked about enough. The guy is so good. He dominates games, and he knows that when he walks onto the field. And he could just play nonchalant if he wanted to. No, the guy dominates games. He's a defensive tackle with averages of around 10 tackles a game, which is mm. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. At any, you know, just that's unheard of so the guy's just a freak so yeah i don't really have any arguments about him sitting the game out i just thought it was funny that he was he was bopping up and down quite a bit and that's more because houston was scoring a lot of points yep that's uh it's a good way to mask all of your issues which is another thing that we brought up on the podcast is that houston's defense isn't very good and people were saying oh we're fine and can I basically just say what I said before we started the show? With like I said this with surprise as I was looking up to see where Yukon stacks after this week. And then I just happened to be scrolling up and I was like, whoa, didn't realize Houston is that far down the list. Yep. Down at one eighteen. Yep. I was very surprised to see that. Not good. I mean you have harped on it all year and just said you're on this campaign to get the defensive coordinator fired down there. But my God, I didn't realize it was that bad. Well, and like people are bringing up specific With things Ed like Oliver on the team, right? That's the most amazing right. part. Yeah, and it's people are trying to like justify whatever they're doing. Oh, our, well, our backups are the ones that are giving up the most yards and the most points. Our turnover margin Solid is really good. Game. I'm like, I get that our the turnover margin is good, but there's there's still issues. And if you're trying to focus on a couple stats to justify your team being av- below average, it's not even average really at anything. Like then it's just I don't know. That just bothers me. Like it's not it's okay to say that your team has issues. Can I, de- can I defend them for a second now? Because I'm just looking at a stat. I just noticed that. So to to their credit, yeah, they're all the way at the bottom down there, one eighteen. But if you're looking at uh, yards per play and then the number of plays that they have run against have run against them, it is way ahead a lot of these other teams. Like, not even close. 
Yards per play is 5.48, which is honestly not that bad. 701, 701 plays against them. In comparison, UConn's at 494. Right, which when you have an offense like Houston's, your defense is just going to be on the field more just because they're going to score quicker and the other team's going to get more plays run. Yeah, but they're the, I don't know. There's only two teams in the 700s, and most of them barely crack the 600s. Right. So it's almost 100 more plays than everybody else. So 100 more plays, yeah, you're going to have all these extra yards against you. Yeah. I, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I mean, I'm just kind of giving you a little bit. Of, I mean, I'm not disagreeing you with the fact that their defense, you know, they still gave up 36 in this game, and they're giving up points in bunches all the time. Most of their games are shootouts with them just outscoring the other team by a lot more. Right, and I I get that total yards isn't like a, a way to use an argument about if a defense is good or not. But like, just even to watch the first half. Like, Houston's first halves are not very good. And then, of course, what's the argument? Oh, well, they're a second-half team. Like, well, that's fine if you're in the game and your offense is playing well, but what's going to happen if D.R. King has a bad game? Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're down 35-14, to 14, well, Houston's defense isn't doing anything, so they got to rely on the offense, so... Like what? I don't know. You know, it's just it's one of those you're playing with fire and you're going to get burned eventually because, yeah, you may be a second half team. But what if the second half isn't enough because your first half was so bad? Yeah, same argument we've made about USF. Right. Everything's perfect until your now, offense think, can't score. The difference being between Houston and USF, and I guess we saw it in this game, was that Houston clearly can just outscore you. Yeah. Which to make up for the deficiencies on the other side. Yep. Now, before we move on, do you have any disagreements with the statement I made earlier that King has locked up Player of the Year for the conference? Uh, in my personal opinion, I agree with you, but I think Mackenzie Milton and Daryl Henderson are still very much in the conversation to whoever you know picks that, just because UCF's in the position that they are. And Henderson's having a – he probably will be an All-American. Oh, he should be an All-American. Whereas Deer King probably won't be. And that's because of the bias. Right, which is – like it's funny that like, – I mean, King's having same, a great the year. The same bias that's keeping UCF out of the, you know, the discussion for the college football playoff also keeps a guy like you know Derek King out of the discussion for the Heisman also. Right, and it's funny that like a running back from Memphis on a Memphis team that's four and four is leading the league in rushing, and is probably going to be an All American, but a quarterback who's also uh, near the top passing and probably near the top for rushing for quarterbacks is on a seven and one team, but won't be an All American. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Yep, that's funny how that works sometimes. I mean, I don't. It's like, do we really need to take the team's success into consideration? Like, yeah, it's it's important for them to be a good player and play within a system to be a good teammate. But like, if a guy's putting up a ton of points and a ton of yards, like, shouldn't you just like acknowledge that? Or I think I think a couple of years ago, Lamar Jackson helped kill that a little bit, though. <laughs> I miss Lamar Jackson so much. 
Well, he plays for the Ravens, so I hear about him all the time. He's talk every week. Hey, when is Lamar going to take over for Joe Flacco? That's all they're talking about down here every single week. Yeah, but those are the same people that were like, oh, Lamar Jackson's not going to be a good pro. He's not. The same. But, it's the same people. It's the same people that not. that don't didn't know who Ed Oliver was coming into last year, and all of a sudden are like experts on him. No arguments there. All right, we've been chirping this guy out for two years, and now everybody thinks we're just talking about him. Right. Oh, you guys don't know. Oh yeah, we haven't been like following him for the last two and a half years. Basically, since he walked off campus. Seriously, get over it. All right, I guess let's talk about the only other real exciting game in the conference, if you will, and that was the rare walk-off pick six. In overtime. In overtime, exactly. I mean, that's the only way it could be a walk-off, I would think, right? Oh, no, I guess you could do it at the end of regulation now. They changed those rules. Um, Yeah, so walk-off pick six in overtime to give Cincinnati a 26-20 win over SMU on the road. Uh, You know. I picked SMU, I think, right? Did I finally put my money where my mouth is and it shot me in the foot? Of course. Yep. Yeah, of course. You waited too long. And it looked like a solid pick for a while because SMU was leading that game for, for the most part, most of the game. Cincinnati had tied up at the very end there on a field goal. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's scary. Cincinnati's a scary team because they're very young, and they've. I gr- think we're, they're finally starting to hit their hiccup. They're growing. They're growing up, though. This is a big win for them, even though SMU may not look like a good team. Like, I mean, Desmond Ritter is a freshman, and he's he threw for three hundred fifty yards. Yeah, he he looks to be getting better every week. Yeah, which is. I mean, we didn't and even know who he was coming in this year. No, we didn't talk about him whatsoever. We did not talk about him at all. And then him and Warren, they're going to be together for for a little bit too. So mm-hmm. they they should be exciting to watch for the end of this year and definitely next year. I think next year we're going to see it. They they might be able to compete. Well, they're still in the hunt here, but UCF I feel like is uh, got a leg up on everybody on in the, the East. See, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because at the beginning of the year, we talked about this last year, the team that is the favorite in the group of five always has a loss that is bad or it just knocks them out of contention for that New Year's Six Bowl. And granted, UCF hasn't had that yet, but I feel like they're due. So do I. I don't think it's this week against Temple. But I do. But then again, we didn't see Temple losing to Villanova and Buffalo, and now they're on a tear. Yeah. Well, I no, no arguments there. But I mean, it's UCF at home. Ah, whatever. We'll talk about that a little bit. But I just don't see. I don't see it being this week. But maybe, maybe that war on I four. And the game that I'm really looking forward to, and I really hope that neither neither team gets something magical that kind of messes with this, but I am really looking forward to see that Houston-UCF game in the conference championship. Like, I don't think you're alone. Teams, 
And if those two teams match up, that's going to be fireworks galore. And I think just like last year. Of, well, that's the thing. That's what like makes me like what I don't understand is, you know, if if it's the Big Twelve, it's a great game. Oh my God, they scored all these points. Or even the Pac Twelve. Oh my God, they scored all these points. It's phenomenal. These are teams with great offenses. Uh, we should watch them more. Well, just because it's the AAC or the Power Six or the, you know, what they want to classify them as as a Group of Five, it doesn't get the same you know, luster as the. Oh, well, they just play terrible defense. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I just feel bad for people who think that way because, like, it's it's entertaining. Like, if you, if you put, a, put aside your bias or your, who you're fighting for, like, for, for me, I want to watch a good football game. And, like, UCF and Memphis, if I watched that game last year and didn't have any connections to them, I would have I loved that football game because it was a good game. Yeah, there wasn't any defense, but it was entertaining. Same with the war on I-4. I, yeah, I just, like, don't understand why. It was why voted people... game of the year last year, the war on I-4, too. That's what blows my mind. Like, it was voted game of the year by so many people, so many outlets, and... And there's people that won't watch that. That's what's sad. Yeah, yeah, that's what I understand. Like, they don't understand it. Like, that wasn't just, like, an average game in the conference. Like, that's what this conference is. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, I love the people that are like, oh, there's no defense. Like, since when has anybody actually cared about defense? You know, Look at every conference (laughs) in the country now. I mean, there's, like... There's, like, one game that was all defense in, like, the history of college football that people were actually excited about. And it was when Alabama and LSU played in, like, 2011 or whatever, and it was, like, 9-6 to was the final. So funny because I was talking about that with my group of friends the other day, that game, too. That exact game. And you're right. Like, but like if you think everybody about says that- defense wins championships – but my argument would be in college football, it doesn't. Because if you think about the past like five years, yeah, Alabama's been in there with their their awesome defenses. Don't get me wrong. But what won it for them last year? Tua. What's going to win it for them this year? Tua. What won it for Clemson? Their offense. You know, and you can just go down the line now. It's their offenses. The years when Ohio State won it with Zeke. That was their offense that won it. Right? So... I mean, Alabama's defense doesn't even look that great this year. I mean, they still look – they're top five, but, like, compared to their other defenses they've had in the past, they don't even look at that great right now. No, they can just – like, teams in the AAC, they can just outscore you. Yeah, I I don't know. It's like, who cares? It gets fun to watch. Why are you so mad about something being so fun to watch? And that's – we can make that argument across – all sports too, like you know, NBA. Everybody's complaining about well, they can't, they don't play any defense. Who cares, man? I hope they score two hundred and fifty points a game. <laughs> the Warriors scored ninety two the other night against the Bulls in a half. The first half, that was absurd. That team is not even fair. I like don't I don't like that team, but at the same time, like I'm always entertained by watching them. They're they're just crazy good. All so I, I like them, but I don't. They're just so unfair. Same. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And we are great way too much this year. Way too much. All right, let's get out of NBA talk. Let's get back to uh, the American. 
Let's which one of these three games of the three is more I want to talk about. I guess let's just start at the top. I've got UMass's twenty-two to seventeen win over UConn, which was in a downpour. I picked the over in this game, and then with not knowing that the uh, downpour was coming, so that was a guaranteed loss on my underdogs against the spread this year. But I think the thing that I noticed most was, and we've talked about David Pendell a lot on the show, because basically he is that team by himself. But four or six passing for 15 yards, I understand. I just mentioned the weather. But four or six for 15 yards. They don't run an option. It's not like we're talking about Air Force, Navy, or Army here. I I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing up there. I don't understand UConn in general. He's allowed to have a bad game. Four of six? Not even a bad game. Just like they didn't. I mean, he's only given that many opportunities to pass. That's not on him. Oh, just, that's god awful. Now, when I brought up the Houston stat earlier, I was looking up numbers for UConn with that being that they gave up 444 yards this week, and that is such an improvement compared to the season considering they're still giving up 651 yards on the year. Whatever works, man. Sometimes you just got to rely go, on the weather. You give up 200 yards less, and you still can't get out of 650? Yep. Wow. The rat. That's just terrible. Terrible to say the least. All right, then there was Tulane getting a 24-17 win over Tulsa. Tulsa actually leading 17-7 into the third. And then Tulane comes on their comeback. Um, last week we talked about Jonathan Banks taking over a quarterback. Guess what? Didn't play at all this week. And it's Justin McMillian taking all the snaps. What is... What is going on? What is going on with the quarterback situation down there? Every week we're talking about a different guy. This, I mean, we're talking about them. We're talking about Tulsa. We're talking about SMU. We're talking about Navy. It's just like... Yeah. They're yeah all, same uh, thing with Navy. We, I mean, we can just kind of lump them together because they just got smashed by Notre Dame 44-22. to 22. Yeah, it's, I mean... They, they, got two, they get two touchdowns by who? Was it Perry? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, Zach Abbey. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're, he's back to being, you know, taking carries and being the quarterback. They should just put him back at quarterback. I'm with you. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't know. Whatever. Those are three teams and, well, four teams if you want to lump SMU in there that just, their quarterback situations are such a mess. You have no idea what's going on. At least UConn's got a quarterback. So does ECU. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't know about all that. I don't know. Let's not go there. Let's not go there yet. I guess this is the point of the show where we talk about those college football rankings that came out tonight. UCF is ranked number nine in the AP poll for whatever that is. I guess at this point in the season, it really doesn't matter because all anybody's going to pay attention to is the college football rankings. And again, initial rankings have them at number 12. And 
The thing that really stuck out to me, which I put in our Slack channel a little bit earlier, was the fact that I'm not going to make any arguments for or against all the one-loss teams that are ahead of them, but I have a huge gripe with a two-loss Florida team being ahead of them. It does... Why? I don't, I don't care who Florida lost to. I don't even want to hear a discussion. Two losses. Two. Can I tell you who they lost to? I, I mean, it don't matter. I mean, you can tell me, but go ahead. Well, they just lost to Georgia. Yeah, not, not. I'm just telling you, don't get on me. I know, I know. And, and, they, and they lost to Kentucky, who's... So that's the number six team and the number nine team. Nice. So then, okay, I'll go in. I okay, this is tough. Houston, here's the they thing with Houston. They haven't lost the game. Here's the thing with Houston. They did. They lost to the best team on their schedule, right? As of right now, who's their best win? USF. US. Okay, so an, uh, an overrated USF team. No, uh, because they're not gonna. Uh, well, no, because they be. Was it Arizona? Yeah, they beat Arizona. Yeah, but Arizona's not so hot. Arizona's trash, okay? Yeah. They beat up on Oregon the other night. Yeah, Arizona's trash. <laughs> they, here's It's like it's like saying, oh, uh, we're just going to have Derrick King hand the ball off. That's what they're doing to Colts State. They're like, oh, hey, we're not going to let you run, which is the best thing that you do. We're going to make you a pocket passer. And they wonder yeah, why they're struggling. I don't understand what they're doing down there. Stupid. Anywho, I was surprised you weren't more upset about Iowa State being ahead of uh, Houston at four and three. You didn't, you didn't notice that? I didn't go that far down in the rankings. I just looked at where UCF was because I already knew that none of the other group of fives were going to get any love. I mean, Fresno State got in. We don't cover them. Well, we can talk about them. I mean, does Fresno State deserve to be in more than what, Houston? Houston does? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Because if you look at their schedule, they played some. They played some good games, actually. Oh, they beat Toledo, Nevada, Wyoming, Hawaii. Yeah. I don't know. Like my biggest thing with Houston is I understand why people are upset, but at the same time, like their best win is against a team that isn't that actually that good. Okay. Or their best two wins. I don't have the the complete rankings of the bottom half there in front of me. But you're telling me there's a three loss team in there ahead of a one loss team. There's uh so Virginia's twenty so I'll just go twenty fifth to sixteenth just for fun. Virginia's six and two, Iowa State's four and three, Fresno State's seven and one, Boston College is six and two, NC State is five and two. Texas A&M is five and three. Syracuse is six and two. Mississippi State's five and three. Texas is six and two. Iowa six and two. God, I can think of about who some of those teams lost to, and I blow my mind. Or who they've played against. Texas lost to Maryland, opening game of the year. Maryland right now is not looking like a good team. Maryland's you, letting a head coach who killed the kid coach no, too. Don't get, don't get me started on that. That's my other podcast tomorrow where I get to lay in all of that. Can't wait. That's just dumb. That's just an absolute joke. I hope that family sues them for everything, that school for everything they have, and they will. Um, then you mentioned Boston College, who played Temple a couple weeks back, 
Man, Temple was in that game for a long time. That Boston College team, in my eyes, is not... I, UCF would smoke them. Yeah, they're ranked ahead of them. But, you know, I mean, I take what's U- the difference in ranking between, between them? Boston College is what? It, uh, they're 22nd, so they're 10 so, less than so the UCF. Ten, you know, 10. No, no, don't agree with that. I would argue Houston would destroy Boston College. They play completely different styles. Deep, yeah, because the way that Boston College plays is they they play ground and pound with A.J. Dillon. Which Houston, Houston wouldn't be able to stop that. That's my only argument against that. Yeah, but if Boston College is, I don't, would argue that Boston College wouldn't be able to stop Derek King. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I just made a bowl game right there. Gotta be... I pff, no, I don't want that. You kidding me? Boston College is the best Houston can do. No, well, obviously not. I just I low key want Houston, Texas. Mm, that would, uh, that oh would my! Could you lot. imagine the hype around that game? That would make both schools so much money too. Exactly. Because even a win or loser doesn't really matter if you think about it. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. If Houston, I mean, if Houston wins, it means more to Houston than if Texas wins. But if, and that's just for recruiting. But both, are gonna make big money off that game just because if it obviously would mean it would be a local game, so the turnout would be absurd. Mm-hmm. Should make they should just find a way to make it happen. You gotta keep an eye out on Tanner's. Uh, Ball projections to see what he's got going on. We'll talk about those as the, as the year progresses. There we go. Because usually he's got some juicy matchups on there. And a couple of games he predicted were right last year too. Here, here's my question. What what scenario? Obviously, it's an, a nearly impossible scenario. But like, what what has to happen for UCF to get in the playoff? Good lord! Now I have to pull up. Who's ahead of him? All right, let me do this real quick. It's worth it. Yeah, I guess it is worth it. Because watch, like, there's already one conference that's one team away from not making it. And that is the, the Pac-12, because Washington yeah. State's got one loss. All right, so let me see what I see here. I mean, I don't First know off, if all these two, like a two-loss, bunch of two-loss teams does it. Like, I feel like it, that doesn't help him at all anyways. Okay. I feel like even if Alabama loses to LSU, LSU this weekend, they're still in there somehow. Like, how do you keep Alabama out unless they pick up a second loss? Well, they yeah, they they won't. But here's there's and then here's the other thing is if LSU wins and then they win out, Alabama has one loss again and they are not going to make the conference championship game. And I, you, it's almost the same. Well, it is exactly the same scenario as last year. And wait, who did LSU lose to? Man, pulling up. Yeah, just hit the button real quick. Florida. The, what? Yep. Wow. So that's that is literally why Florida is ranked ahead of UCF. That win right there. And Florida will lose again. Not worried about that. But like Alabama's not losing again. They lose to LSU. I mean, they might if they lose to Auburn. Like okay, me personally, I don't think Kentucky's any good. 
Washington um, State. I think UCF can play with Washington State. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State. Let me think about this one real quick, though. Dude, if Purdue can beat Ohio State, UCF can beat Ohio State. No offense to Purdue. Like, I like their program, but come on. Yeah, but that's one of those things, right? You can say that about any team any given week. Yeah, but it's one game. That's the thing. Like, you saw – I mean – realistically last year did did ucf and auburn belong in the same conversation like probably not but it's one game mm-hmm. look i personally if you look at Notre dame's schedule i can't see them losing but that's no. all it would take for them to be out of discussion all it would take is one loss but here's the thing there's what how many teams ahead of, there's 11 teams ahead of them so they really only need because a couple of these so georgia and kentucky uh, they play each other this weekend if I remember seeing the schedule right. So one of those is going to go down, but not the other. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, they only need because there's four really, teams. They only need eight teams to really just implode. They just need to get that fourth seed. Well, yes, but okay. So I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the schedule in my head, and this is overthinking this for real. So Georgia plays Kentucky this week, right? Yep. Say George. I think we both would argue that Georgia should be the favorite. Probably wins that game. Yep. So Georgia wins that game. Then we're talking about Georgia would be a one-loss team in their conference championship game. You would need, you almost need Alabama to win to knock LSU to two losses. Mm-hmm. Alabama to win the SEC to get Georgia to two losses, and then you need somehow Clemson to pick up a loss. And even then, I don't even know how you can keep them. Well, and the, the other part of that scenario is UCF's wins have to justify them moving up. And, like, there's – does beating Temple, Navy, Cincinnati, and USF, like, is that going to be enough even over two last teams? I would say no. Well, an argument that – which is surprising considering he, usual his, uh, his hate for UCF. And I will give a shout-out to UCF fans for that great sign of Kirk Herbstreet. Over the weekend, that was pretty, pretty funny. But basically, he actually was giving them, them and the conference a little bit of love, actually talking about that, you know, the UCF committee leader kind of said that, you know, UCF schedule so far is pretty lousy. And, man, when he brought it up, uh, it actually blew my mind because I didn't even think about it. But none of the teams that UCF has played had a winning record. Temple will be their first one. Yep. So that's not helping their argument whatsoever. But you know now they're going to go down the stretch and they're going to play some pretty solid teams. So and Curb Street said he said maybe this stretch of games helps their argument a little bit because some of these teams are going to beat up on each other now. Yeah, but it's again like we said, it's it's a near impossible scenario it that really they get because I'm just and like, it, in my head, all these teams playing each other once or twice, things of that. But like, okay. I don't see, like, okay, even if somehow Ohio State wins the Big Ten and they have, let's see, they have Michigan ahead of them right now. Well, no, that's not that's not the one. No, I'm looking at the SEC. I'm sorry. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Kentucky. You know I mean, there's four teams ahead of them. They need everything to go according to plan. And let's just, let's be honest, the odds of that happening are just slim to none. 
I mean, it's good for the discussion. You know, obviously, we're going to talk about it. Well, and here's the other thing. I don't remember who I saw this with, but... Even I Oklahoma mean, and WVU, like, say they, you know... Say they meet up in that Big 12 championship game. How do you keep... And Oklahoma wins that. How do you keep Oklahoma out of it? Right. Well, and here's what I'll say. So, see, the thing with this is, even if this scenario does come true... Is this the UCF team that we want in the playoff, like to represent the group of five for the first time? No, even even Herb Street said it tonight, and everybody has said it the past one week, I'll say all year, honestly, that last year's team was way more talented than this team. They had NFL talent all over the place. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in the league. Right, and the thing is, if if they let UCF in and then UCF lays an egg, they'll never let another group of five team in again and that's i think if you are a fan of ucf or any group of five team that's your biggest fear and let's be honest if they're going to get in they're going to be in as that four seed there's no shot of getting them any higher and then you're drawing and the scenarios that we talked about you're drawing alabama and I was listening to uh, the Stanford Steve and Bear podcast last week, and they actually gave out lines for some of these matchups. So say if Alabama played UCF, and it said that Alabama would be a 24-point favorite against UCF, which isn't a surprise with just how dominant Alabama has been. I mean, look this week. LSU, they're a 13.5, 14-point favorite against LSU. On the road mm-hmm. in Death Valley. That doesn't make sense, but that's how good Alabama's offense has been this year at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate. Um I had friends of mine I've had friends of mine in private group. They they've been getting on me because they know that I do these podcasts and they know how I've been preaching about UCF about the past couple of years and I told them straight up basically what I said just a minute ago and that being last year UCF would have gave last year's Alabama a run for their money this year's UCF versus this year's Alabama no shot not even close I mean this year's UCF struggled point? Yeah. oh yeah go ahead they, they struggled with a four, Memphis game. four and four Memphis team yep yeah, that's why I, you know, I agree with that. And then the way Alabama is just, I mean, two is, he's not playing in fourth quarters or second half. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. There's no other team. Honestly, I would make the argument. There's no other team in history that's doing. It. Even Clemson's, they're in close games. Alabama's just, yeah, we'll stretch it out in the first game, and then we'll see you in a couple. We'll see you next year if you're lucky. Yeah. Speaking of not playing, you see Milton might not play? Which we talked about last week. It was We thought it was just like something maybe just because it was ECU and he was a little banged up. They held him out a little bit. But if they're coming off a bye, or I should say they didn't play on Saturday. Take that for what it's worth. And it is a couple extra days. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Milton doesn't suit up. And it's looking like he might not. Because Heupel said that he hasn't taken any any reps in practice so far this week. Yep. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a weird situation. Uh, and I haven't heard anything about injuries or whatnot, so I have no idea what's going on. It is interesting. 
I guess so you we kind of just did it there so let's let's go into this week 10 that's the first game that UCF against Temple game UCF a 10 and a half point favorite which kind of surprised me I expected that to be a little bit more to be honest but maybe that has something to do with uh, Milton's being a game time decision and that's honestly might be what it comes down to if Milton plays they, UCF probably runs away with this one. If not, it'll be a closer game than a lot expected. But even if he doesn't play, I just think that there's just too many pieces. They have, you know, they just have an offense that Temple defensively might be able to slow him down a little bit. But I just think UCF right now, even with everything we just talked about, is just. I think they're. Just far out in front of everybody else in this conference right now, except for maybe Houston. I'm going to disagree just because I think Milton's that special where if he doesn't play, it's a completely different team. This is going to be if Mac plays, that's that's like his first game of actual like real action. Yeah, but it's at home. Don't care. It's at home. I mean, does he get the jitters because it's nationally televised on ESPN? I don't know. I don't know. We're again, we we're talking about eighteen to twenty three year olds, and the games that you and I tend to just like think are gimmies, just because of a team's reputation, are usually the ones that that are the ones that surprise us. Now, I've said this on previous podcasts, and my thing about Temple being still is I still don't know what to make of Anthony Russo. He's a turnover machine. Yeah, but he could also have a good game, and that's like the, that's enough to make this temp, interesting. Temple's, Temple's kind of cruised a little bit right now. I, I mean, except for maybe that Cincinnati win uh, a couple of weeks ago. But they've played some pretty even matchups to get to this 5-3 and three record. Which is kind of, I mean, Russo's numbers are inflated, but he still has more more turnovers and touchdowns, and that's what scares me about him. Well, we'll find out. We sure will. And it's a Thursday night special also, 7.30, for nobody to watch because the NFL will be on. Mm-hmm. Don't understand that. Nope, let's either. Put, let's, let's put UCF on a night no one wants to watch. But uh, let's go through Saturday's games. Let's first noon game will be Memphis. You mentioned their four and four taking on ECU. That's at noon on ESPNU. Memphis a thirteen point favorite, which is kind of what you expect considering the two teams. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure both of us picked Memphis to win this game. I guess the real question, honestly, is thirteen is the number. Do you see it happening or not? I yeah I don't know. It's hard. I I think Daryl Henderson's coming back, so that's helpful. I th- I think Memphis should win if he's back, and they should win by more than that. But I don't know. I feel like we haven't talked about ECU in ages. There's a reason for that. Because you hate him. Hate is a strong word. No, it's it's appropriate. No, I don't. Yeah, hate. yeah. Strongly dislike. That's some would call that hate. No, who would do that? 
doing it for you. The Dallas Cowboys. I don't hate ECU. Oh, man. I hate the Boston Red Sox. So you can only imagine how I feel about all that right now. Now they're world champs, so deal with it. God, you're the first person to say that to me. Yeah, you want to throw up. (laughs) You just got to deal with it, man. Oh my god. Anyways, anyways, let's 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 not talk ECU any longer. The other games are on Saturday. First being Navy will go on the road to take on Cincinnati. That's at 3.30, also on ESPNU. Bearcats, 13.5 point favorite. I mean, Navy this year, I've we've talked about it over and over again. Well, I have, at least just, they are nowhere like the teams of years past. Cincinnati, on the flip side, seems to be on the rise. With that said... That 13.5 point number is a little bit funky to me, considering Cincinnati's only got a couple days to really prep for Navy's triple option. Are you going to pick Navy? Is that what you're saying? No, I am not picking Navy. Oh, okay. I'm not to win, but you might see them on something else later this week. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You might be seeing that. I'm I'm not worried about it. With, With that meaning... I Cincinnati's going to win and be just fine. Yeah. Do you think they're going to win by more than 13 and a half? Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Not worried. I'll have, to, I'll have to keep that in mind when I have to think about making those picks. In. I'm just I'm just messing with you now. I'm tied for the lead in P6 Pick'em, so I'm just trying to make sure everybody else screws up. Pick'em is one thing. I have to think with that number in my head, the 13 and a half number. I don't think it's enough to make me want to touch that game, but you go right ahead. Hey, I've done crazier things. People thought I was nuts for going with Houston last week, and look what it did. Well, you had me backing you up, so you felt pretty good about that. That's why I need your input sometimes. Sometimes. Emphasis on sometimes. Other 3.30 game you can find on CBS Sports Network. Uh, it's a 3-5 and five Tulane taking on those now 7-1 and one USF Bulls. USF 7.5 point favorite. Tulane, we've talked about them. I mean, we can't talk about it enough. We don't know what this team is. We don't even know who's going to play quarterback for them every week. So if you're asking me... Seven and a half points for the Bulls. Coming off that loss last week at home, give it to me. I'm all with it. I'm all for it. Because I don't think... Tulane has done nothing this year. Nothing to impress me. Or disappoint me, to be honest. But I think the Bulls have shown me at least a little bit more to make me feel a little bit comfortable about that. Yeah, they're and this is a game where, you know, this is a bounce back game where they you know, they got something to prove after getting spanked last week. Yeah, it's a good it's a good one to, to bounce back from and get it at home, like you said, and I don't know. They should be fine. I'm not super worried about it. I'll have a field day if they lose, but you know, I don't see that happening. 
Of course you will. Because if I have hate for ECU, you have hate for USF. No. Maybe. You said no, the way you said no or maybe like that was basically the same way I answered my same <laughs> Literally the same tone of voice, same everything. No, it's much different. You want to talk about the toilet bowl of the conference? That being our no, two and seven teams? Not quite the toilet bowl. Not according to the power rankings. This is the toilet bowl. According to the records, it's the toilet bowl. You know what sucks about that is they have the same record, but they're t- they're not even the same two teams. Not even close. It's just crazy. Like the numbers say, yep, same team, but it's UConn you, yeah. is terrible, like god awful. At least Tulsa gives you something to hang your hat on. Well, they have something. UConn, you got Pendel. That's it. They should just start calling themselves the Fighting Pendels. God, he gets no help whatsoever. Could you imagine if he had just one guy? One guy. I bet you he imagines that all the time. Mm-hmm. But here's the crazy thing. Tulsa, all right? We've talked about this. Tulsa, yeah, they, they're a lot better than the record indicates. But are they... 18 points better than UConn. See, that surprised me, too. I, uh, I don't know. That's like, a weird number. Like we said, though, it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's UConn. It's UConn, and Tulsa, like we've been saying the last couple weeks, is like they, they're not a one-win team. They just, like, they've lost a lot of close games. I don't know. I mean, they are a one-win team, but they're, I don't know. It's like they're not a one-win team. They should be better than that because they, they're not getting killed. They just can't finish. I can't even see. Who do they beat? Oh, Central Arkansas. That's who they beat. Big win. Yeah. Oh, that was the stat I left out earlier about Tulsa. They have lost 12 straight to the FBS. Dating back to last year, obviously. That's not good. I don't think we're... Yeah, we're talking about um, how their record doesn't really indicate how good they really are. But I don't think we're talking enough about how much the coach's seat is on the line. I know it's a Montgomery, but I'm blanking on if it's Scotty or Phillip. It's Philip. I thought it was Philip. I just didn't want to be wrong. That's what I got you for, man. See? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... I don't know. It kind of depends the, on how they're looking the at it. In upcoming weeks, by the way, I just had this thought come in my head, but in the upcoming weeks, we need to have one of those hot seat podcasts. Yeah. Because it's that time of the year. Yeah. Seats are getting pretty warm. It's funny how USF fans were all about their team and then they lose one game and it's all of a sudden Charlie has to go. Mm, well, maybe we can add him to that list. There we go. Or more probably Charlie wants to get the out of there, but hey. Yeah. I don't blame him. I wouldn't blame him either. And then, all right, so we're not going to talk about UConn Tulsa. Yeah, it's really not worth it. And then the last game of the weekend would be which, outside of the conference, probably is not going to get talked about. But Houston versus SMU, 
Uh, we've talked about Houston's offense quite a lot. SMU's been a lot better lately. Let's just put it that way. I know they lost last week to Cincinnati. We've talked about just how good Cincinnati's defense has been as of late. But SMU can kind of score points. And I saw I saw your score prediction, and that really shocked me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You've got a real high-scored affair coming this weekend. Well, we just talked about Houston's defense. and Yeah, but do you think SMU's offense is that good? I, I think they're, again, I think they're better than people give them credit for. And I feel like SMU always gives Houston more trouble than they should. Is that more because SMU is playing up? Because this game is more of a rivalry to SMU than it really is to Houston. Probably. Houston, Houston wants to beat up on Texas, Texas A&M, and you know, all those teams above them, as opposed to... You know, SMU, you know, they're like, well, let's just say they're below Houston in the pecking order. And they have been for for some time now. Yep. Yeah, so I don't know. I hope it's not close, but and I hope it's not. Well, I hope it's high scoring for Houston, but I, I don't know. It just feels like SMU and Tulsa are like the two teams that give Houston the most trouble. And I never, I don't understand either one. Uh, Vegas has as Houston as a 13.5 point favorite which is fair considering they just beat up on USF by 21 mm-hmm. I really can't say that the number doesn't make sense but I don't know you just kind of said it I could see SMU giving them a little bit of trouble because SMU I mean I there's those two teams we're saying it every week. SMU Tulane. We don't know what they are. Every week they're a different team. I mean, I picked SMU to win last week. Of course, they let me down. The first week I finally picked them. <laughs> You'll never pick them again. I'll never pick them again. I literally talk about picking them every week on this show. Never pick them. The one week I pick them, they didn't win. And I think it's probably unanimous across the board this week that all of the favorites, according to Vegas, will probably get all of our picks and pick them too. Mm-hmm. I, I would be I'd be shocked if anybody went against the green. Yeah, it's I don't know. You never know. Eric likes to go against the green. Is that why he's last? Hey, all he need is one week. He's not even that far behind. No, no, we're all tight. Which is great. Right. Makes it better. You act, you act like you're all way out front, but you're not that far away from us. I am way out in front. By one and a half games? <laughs> yep. Any other arguments before we close out the show? Anything else you want to say about the college football playoff? Um... Sucks that we're headed for another freaking Alabama Clemson matchup. I hate that. See, but my argument against that is they are the two best teams. You're not wrong. I agree with that. I don't know. And then Notre Dame being like 
I don't want to say two A, but I do. I, I do want to see Notre Dame mixed in there. I do think Notre Dame has one of the better teams that's left. Of see, the I do too. But then they they have games like they beat Pitt nineteen to fourteen. It's like, well, wait, hold on, what? Like, I don't know. Everybody has those games. Though. People are saying Michigan has a chance, but I don't. I don't know. Can they score any points? That. No, I'm not a Michigan fan this year at all. I like their defense, but that's pretty much it. Say that about a lot of teams. I just I don't really care. I just don't want Alabama to win again. Not that I hate their team. I just I, it's it gets old watching the same team win and win again. Now I have respect for them, but I just I want someone else to win, and then I'll hate on that team next year. I ain't gonna be this year. Not with two there. I just can't see it happening. Just can't see it happening. But all right, let's not go too far down the P5 road because this is the underdog podcast where we only talk G5 football. Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, we even went and talked a little bit of NBA on the show, but hey, whatever hits the mind is what you talk about. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. If you're not following us on Facebook and Twitter, make sure you do that. Leave us a couple reviews, whether it be on those same two social media outlets or on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other Spotify. I don't even know all the things we're on now. Just leave us some reviews. We will greatly appreciate it. And until the next episode, will every coach in the AAC still have a job next week, Joe? Nope. All going to get fired. Perfect answer, Joe. I like it. I like it a lot.